0: Hello and welcome to the inaugural playoff episode of the Technical Talk Podcast. It is the best time of year to be a basketball fan as the long NBA season is finished and we settle into the final stretch where every game truly does count. In this episode, we'll jump into the Eastern Conference playoff picture, previewing each matchup and how every team got here. So strap in and we'll get started. get into Yeah. It brings a lot to the table from walking. And to introduce him to him as a player, I'll use the same system that I use in personality. only the Drew I'll incorporate as the defensive rating into the bunch. This is notoriously a good bad, defender. And this season, Drew Holiday has played in 67 games. And the Bucs are stellar 50 and 17 games per The team has an offensive rating of 117.7 when in the, the lineup, and a defensive rating of with a points per game average of 117, and Holiday is not in the lineup, the Bucks are. Or- But he also has the second highest defensive rating, plus at the the uh, getting into the Miami Heat, season catch up. This team finished eighth of the strength. have a home record this season of 27-14 and a away record of 14-17, a of 24-8. Getting into their advanced catch-up, the best way to analyze the Eric show, uh led Miami Heat this season is to take a look at their defensive rating and how they've performed on a month-to-month basis. So I'll break those numbers down. In the month of October, the Heat ranked 18th in the NBA in defensive rating at 112.5 which earned them a 2-5 and five opening month of the NBA season. In November, they moved up to 13th with a defensive rating of 110.8, which resulted in a monthly record of 8-7. and seven. In December, they would rise to the 9th spot as they sported a defensive rating of 112, which earned them 9-6 and six record of the month. Then came January, and this is where things got interesting for Miami. They had a great month in terms of defense, and it seems like they had found their groove uh, as they let the NBA in defensive rating at 108.9, propelling them to a 10-5 and 5 record in the month. They followed that up with a tough February, which would see the wind up uh, ranked 14th with a defensive rating of 112.9, ending the month with a 4-6 and 6 record. And finally, we come to March, the last full month of the NBA season, which saw their worst ranking of the year at 27th, with a defensive rating of 120.1 and a final month uh, record of seven and eight. The Heat's inconsistency as a team becomes apparent even more when we evaluate the two playing games that we saw Wednesday and Friday night in uh, this previous week, as the Heat put on an absolutely terrible performance in every sense of the word. Word, excuse me. So. You know, Miami has to ask themselves, are they willing to play the defense that they know that they can and make a concerted effort? Or will they decide it's time to book the family vacations? You know, and for what it's worth, I would much rather see a Miami Heat team that comes ready to compete every game rather than just lie down. For this matchup, uh, when we start to analyze it, despite the season series being split 2-2 to between the two teams, this series is really going to come down to who can neutralize the team's best player enough to make a difference. And to be fair, the Heat have had it lucky, as Giannis has only played in two games against Miami this season. Against the Heat in those two games, Giannis is only averaging 19.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, and 7.5 assists uh, for an offensive rating of 138.3. On the Miami side of the equation, we're going to take a look at Jimmy Butler, who in his four games against the Bucks has the following averages. 22 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, and 1.8 assists for an offensive rating of 129.1. Just a note uh, here for some of our new listeners, uh, this by no means on earth is saying that Giannis is worse than Jimmy Butler. Uh, That's simply never going to be the case. Giannis is essentially a 30 points per game guy at this point, uh, as you saw on February 4th when he exploded against the Heat for 35 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, but that's neither here nor there. These two have had some pretty good battles in the season. Uh, the opportunity to see seven more uh, potentially uh, you know, it makes it all the more interesting. All right, moving forward to our second series that we'll see in the Eastern Conference. It's the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks. Jumping into the Celtics season catch-up, um, the Celtics finished second in the East with a 57-25 record they had a home record this season of 32 and 9 and away record of 25 and 16 and a conference record of 34 and 18 getting in their advanced catch up you know the Boston Celtics are the second best team in the Eastern Conference and they hold the second best record in the NBA that's not fiction that's fact as the team picked up right where it left off last year when it was able to make it all the way to the NBA Finals, where, as you remember, they ultimately lost to the Golden State Warriors. But this season, things have changed in Boston, with with Joe Mazzulla taking the helm. And to be honest, I didn't think that we could have ever predicted them to be this good. Uh, The Celtics are fourth in the NBA heading into this year's playoffs in points per game, averaging 117.9. They're 6th in the NBA in 3-point percentage at 42.6%. And at the line, they find themselves ranked 4th in free throw percentage at 82.1%. If you pull all of that together, you'll get an offensive rating of 1173 which is good enough for 2nd in the NBA. Defensively, the Celtics are 2nd in the NBA in terms of efficiency at 110.6%. They're 3rd in the NBA in defensive rebounds per game, and they also rank 1st in defensive rebounding percentage in the league, at 74.6, and you know, just to add an extra layer for you, they're sixth in blocks per game at 5.2 per game. Even with all of those team numbers, it would still be unfair not to mention the stellar play of their two stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, as those two have continued their stellar play as a duo, taking it to an even new heights this year, with a breakout year from Jalen Brown. This season, Jason Tatum has ranked 6th in the NBA in points per game at 30.1, simultaneously becoming the the Celtics organization's first player to average 30-plus points in a season. He did this on 46.6% from the floor, 35% from behind the arc, and 85.4% from the free-throw line, which is good for an offensive rating of 118.4. While Jalen Brown, on the other hand, averaged 26.6 points per game, a career high, 49.1% from the floor, also a career high. Uh, Throwing a 33.5% three-point percentage and a career high from the line for Jalen Brown at 76.5, you have a perfect storm when he and Tatum are on the court together. The Celtics have come to realize what it takes to win not only a series, but a title. And with these two leading the way and a solid cast of players uh, in the ranks behind them, I think we see a rejuvenated Boston team that's primed and ready to compete. After all, you don't have the best record as a team in 14 years um, by luck alone. Moving on to the Atlanta Hawks season catch up. they finished seventh in the Eastern Conference by way of the Play-In tournament as they defeated Miami on Tuesday night 116 to 105 they ended their season with a 41 and 41 overall record. The Hawks had a home record this season of 24 and 17 and away record of 17 and 24. And a conference record of 26 and 26. in their advanced catch up. When we analyze the Atlanta Hawks 2022-2023 NBA season, we have to take something into account: that they switch coaches around 60 games into the season, opting to hire former Jazz coach Quinn Snyder to replace Nate McMillan. Why this important? Why is this important? Uh, you may ask. Excuse me. Is because it came at what seemed like a tipping point for the team because if you watch them up to that point you didn't really see the Hawks have an identity and for a team to simply be playing together without a clear carved out plan of action and a quote-unquote pecking order particularly on the offensive end of the scenario making things come together just never happens Um, And to explain just what I mean, let's compare the Hawks offensively under Nate McMillan and Quinn Snyder. From October 19th to February 22nd, Nate McMillan was the 14th head coach, uh, full-time head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. And during that time, they were 8th in the NBA in points per game at 116.4. They ranked 22nd in the NBA in three-point percentage and had an offensive rating that was 7th ranked in the NBA at 115.9. Trey Young was averaging 26.7 points on 42.6% from the floor and 32.4% from deep to go along with 10.3 assists and having an offensive rating of 115.1. If we look at the Hawks under Quinn Snyder, they're the first in the NBA at 100, in points per game and 123.7, 16th in the NBA in three-point percentage, and had an offensive rating of 120.1, which is ranked fourth in the NBA as well. Trey in that time has averaged 25 points per game on 43.3% for the floor and 36.2% from three, paired with 9.9 assists per game. Atlanta now seems to have started to adapt to Coach Snyder's system and it's reaping rewards, but my only concern is if they can do that consistently, as the playoffs are a different monster altogether. Moving to their matchup analysis... Uh, You know, in the three times that the Hawks and the Celtics have met um, this season, the Celtics have had the upper hand each and every time, as the Hawks just haven't been able to find a way to slow them down. And, you know, I don't see a seven-game series changing that. Atlanta is tasked with containing two elite scorers in Brown and Tatum, who against the Hawks this year, both have averaged over 20 points per game against them, with Brown at 23 points per game and Tatum at 26.5. Not to mention the fact that, two of the Celtics' three wins of the series have come on the road in State Farm Arena. You know, that just proves that the Celtics are able to win both in the Garden and on the road at State Farm Arena. You know, this is not me saying just write the Hawks off as they can give the Celtics some trouble if they're 100% locked in like we saw them against Miami. Um, But, you know, the task of just containing... (laughs) Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is a daunting one, and they'll have to be prepared for it. The third series that we'll be breaking down in the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Jumping into the 76ers season catch up, they finished third in the Eastern Conference with a 54 and 28 record. They carried a home record of twenty nine and twelve, an away record of twenty five and sixteen, and a conference record of thirty four and eighteen. Getting into their advanced catch-up, the Philadelphia 76ers enter this playoff tournament with the best overall team record since the 2000-2001 NBA season, coming off of a season last year you know, that saw them lose to Miami in six games in the second round. If you pair that with the fact that Nikola Jokic is the current MVP favorite entering the playoffs, it would appear as if this time Embiid has something to prove with the opportunity to bring both a championship and an MVP trophy back to the city of brotherly love. And he might just have his best shot to do so this year. If we begin to break down the 76ers, we see just how much they depend on Embiid to produce, as if you couldn't already tell by his league-leading 33.1 point per game mark this season. The 76ers rank in the top 10 in catch and shoots, but rank just 24th in drives, which is normally an indicator for most teams at the NBA level that there's some kind of big men there that can fit into the classic 4-1 and set and isn't really going to range out into an area that frees up space for people to drive. Um, And Embiid is just that big uh, for the 76ers as he leads them in field goal percentage at 54.8 and also brings in a two-point field goal frequency percentage of 84.9 but this is the only statistic that we can incorporate to see Joel Embiid as he's ranked seventh in the NBA in average points of the paint per game at 14.9 the other factor on the 76ers that will play an important role comes in the form of James Harden who arguably might feel even more pressure than Joel Embiid but Harden himself has to not only be able to facilitate for Embiid and his teammates, he also has to be able to score himself even more. Harden currently ranks 43rd in the NBA in points per game at 21 even. And while this is a good number that aided the 76ers during the regular season, that number is going to have to be higher in the playoffs. And I'm talking probably touching 25... uh, That 25 to 28 range, I would say, as teams are going to force others to make plays by trying to eliminate Joel Embiid however they can. And James Harden is the next man up. Moving on to our Brooklyn Nets season catch up, the Nets finished sixth in the Eastern Conference, um, and they brought in a home record of 30 and 22 and an away record of 23 and 18 to go along with the conference record of 22 and 19. Their advanced catch-up is a little different because to try and summarize all of the Nets 2022-2023 NBA season, it would be a little too deep for me to go over personally. Because if there was a dictionary definition for a team with literally polar opposite seasons in one season, Brooklyn is just that team. So we'll just evaluate them on their team performance after a couple of blockbuster traits that we saw. If we remember back in February, Kyrie Irving departed the Nets for the Dallas Mavericks in a deal that brought Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and the 2027 second, 2029 unprotected first late first pick, excuse me, and a 2029 second-round pick. Three days later, on February 9th, they would also trade Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns for McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, Phoenix's 2023 first-round pick, their 2025 first-round pick, their 2027 first-round pick, a 2028 first-round pick swap. A 2028 second round pick that they had from the Milwaukee Bucks, a 2029 first round pick, and finally a 2029 second round pick. And somehow, someway, the Nets are still in the playoffs as a six seed. And credit to Jock Vaughn as he's managed to keep this team relevant. The Nets are only 12th in offensive rating at 114.6, and they rank 16th. In defensive rating at 113.5, but the group has heart and fight, and even though this team is clearly set up for a bit of a tweak and rebuild stage, you can't really argue with the progress that they have shown along the way. McCall Bridges has superstar written all over him, it looks like, um, and you know the Nets are, can hang with anybody that chooses to sleep on them and think that they that they're just a cakewalk. Getting into the matchup analysis, you know, this series on paper should and will go one way, according to most people and experts, and that way is a flat-out sweep. In the season series, the Brooklyn Nets are 0-4 when they face the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid has been present in two of the four games, and in those two games, uh, he averages 31.5 points per game and 11.5 rebounds, while James Harden also... Played in two games, bringing an average of I believe 26 points, six and a half assists, and four and a half rebounds. Getting into our fourth and final matchup in the Eastern Conference first round bracket, we'll break down the Cleveland Cavaliers and New York Knicks. The Cavaliers come in with a fourth-best in Eastern Conference record of 51 and 31, a home record of 31 and 10 an away record of 20-21, and 21, and a conference record of 34-18. and 18. Their advanced catch-up looks something like this. For Cleveland, we have to start with the monster trade prior to the NBA season that saw the Cavaliers get Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. For Colin Sexton, Lori Markkinen, who, by the way, uh, side note, I'm sorry, I personally rank second behind Shea Just alexander for most improved player, um... And it's really a shame that they're both not a part of the playoff race uh, and aren't able to contend, um, for a title because just some of the performances that we saw from these two guys just made your jaw drop this season, um, And it's also a shame that, you know, playing stats don't count, but that's a different conversation for a different episode. Getting back to the Cavs, uh, we knew that the Mitchell trade would bolster the Cavaliers, but I honestly don't think that anyone could see them uh, higher than a 7th seed coming into the season. Um, We didn't think that as a whole the Cavaliers would immediately get this much better just by adding uh, Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, the Cavaliers are making their first playoff appearance since Tyron Lue and LeBron James led them to the last matchup with the Warriors in the 2017-2018 finals. But this team led by J.B. Baker's staff has something that not a lot of teams around the NBA have. Two great defensive bigs that do an excellent job on the defensive end of the floor, and they are named Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, as Mobley has a 47% uh, defensive defended field goal percentage and brings a 108.1 individual defensive rating, while his court running mate, uh, Jared Allen, has a 47.4 defensive defended uh, field goal percentage to pair with a 108.3 defensive rating. Overall, the Cavaliers' defense is definitely the strong suit of this team, and it will be incredible to watch. Moving forward to the Knicks' season catchup, uh, they finished fifth in the East with a forty-seven and thirty-five record. They held a home record of twenty-three and eighteen this season, and brought in an away record of twenty-four and seventeen, and a conference record of thirty-two and twenty. Their advanced catchup, you know. Coming out of the end of last season, the Knicks were in a completely different place than they are now. If you remember, they finished last season with a 37-45 record, and they missed the playoffs a year removed from their first playoff series in seven years. And fans and media members alike uh, wondered where they would go coming off of another disappointing season. The answer was revealed on July 12th uh, with the addition of Jalen Brunson as he signed a four-year $104 million deal, opting to leave the Dallas Mavericks. If you're wondering why I'm telling you an almost year-old story, the answer is simple. Jalen Brunson is arguably the reason that the Knicks find themselves back in basketball relevancy, and there are numbers to support that. The Knicks last year finished with the 23rd ranked offense in the NBA at uh, with a offensive rating, excuse me, of 109.7. That was largely due to them not having a true third option to pair with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, who both had team-leading touch numbers. Randle with 76.5 and Barrett with 54.3 per game. The reason that this is important is because these are two wing players, and specifically players that don't necessarily perform at their best with the ball consistently in their hands. And if we know fundamental basic basketball... There is a simple fix to this problem, and that was just a point guard, specifically one that can play both on and off ball if necessary and facilitate when called upon unselfishly. And Jalen Brunson was that player. Uh, Last year with the Mavericks, he brought in 49.8 passes made. Uh, per game, a uh, 4.8 assist average with a great potential assist number at 10.1. What that potential assist number tells us is that there's definitely some room for growth when Jalen is put in the right scenario. Now, let's take a look at last year's numbers, at uh, this year's numbers, excuse me, for Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. Their touches are reduced, with Barrett now at 50.7 and Randle at 69.4 uh, respectively. And Brunson's passes made the season moved to 58.9 with his assist average at 6.2 and a percent potential assist mark of 11.6. If you're questioning why his potential assist average is not skyrocketed, it's simply because the horizon is scoring, um, which is at a career high. It's moved from 16.3 points per game last year to 24 this season. All in all, the Knicks this season posted an offensive rating of 117, which ranked them fourth in the NBA, and it will be very fun to see what they bring into a playoff matchup against a defensive juggernaut like the Cleveland Cavaliers and how they choose to attack that. Getting into the matchup preview, when it comes to it, these two teams, uh, four previous matchups, they have all went the Knicks way mostly as the Knicks have gone 3 and 1 against Cleveland this season averaging 108.8 points and a 39.2 three-point percentage and a defensive rating of 110 and an offensive rating of 113.7. This is especially important because the Cavaliers come into these playoffs as the true outright number 1 defense in the NBA with an average defensive rating of 109.9. How Tom Thibodeau chooses to defend the Cavaliers backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland will also be interesting to see, as well as the pair come in averaging 31.8 and 19.7 against the Knicks this season, respectively, on 50.6% and 34.5% field goal percentages in the three games that the two participated in. As we wrap up another episode here on Technical Talk, I would first like to thank each of you for taking the time to listen to this podcast once again. It really does mean the world to me, and I'm super excited to release episodes for each and every playoff game after they conclude. I would also like to thank Basketball Reference and StatMuse for providing the statistics behind the episode. With all that being said, I'll see you next episode when we do the same thing for the Western Conference. Have a great day, and enjoy the game.